Acts 15 is a very important and famous chapter of our Bibles. It is the Jerusalem Council where the apostles met to make an important decision regarding Gentile believers or people who are coming into the faith. People especially with a pagan background and how they are to be introduced to the faith. What they are to do and what they don't need to do. This is how it is generally seen, but it is also often said or believed about Acts 15 that God is actually trying to tell us by this chapter that non-Jews or people who are uh, Gentiles, if you will, don't need to keep the law of God at all, except for only a few commandments. They would continue to say that Yeshua has fulfilled the law of God and because he has fulfilled them, we don't need to do the law anymore. And if we try or attempt to be obedient to God's law, we would be actually bringing Yeshua's or Jesus's sacrifice to nothing. But does this make sense with scripture? In this video, we're going to look at some of these questions. We're going to see what is God actually saying in Acts 15 and what does Paul also say regarding bringing Christ's um, name to nothing by keeping the law. What does he also really mean? Acts 15 verse 1. And certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, Except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, ye cannot be saved. Now, before we read another verse, we need to establish something important. Because oftentimes, Acts 15, when it is read, the first verse is skipped. But it contains an important word. And it says, tell us what, tells us what this is really about. It's about salvation. He says, people came in, brothers, people who were believers, but who identified as Pharisees. And they had still some of their Pharisaic ideas or beliefs which weren't in line with the word of God. And they were bringing one of these ideas to the table. And they were saying that these pagans who are now just brand new, they're coming into the faith. They need to make sure they should get themselves circumcised first, because if they don't get themselves circumcised, they cannot be saved. That's the word that they're using. So the whole chapter here is going to be about this topic of salvation and what do we need to do to be saved? And in verse five, we read the same thing basically repeated and we see, but there rose up certain sect of the Pharisees, which believed saying that it was needful to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses needful for what again, for salvation as verse one said, they are saying it is you must keep the law. You must be obedient. And if you are not obedient to the law of God given and handed down to Moses, you cannot be saved. But that is contrary to the teaching of Christ, of course, as we know, because we know we are not saved by our works. We are saved by through our faith in Yeshua, by his grace on us because of his sacrifice. The, what he died 
so that our sins can be washed away because we cannot keep the law perfectly. If we were able to be perfect men and never stumble in any way, never sin like him. Yeah, then we don't need his sacrifice. But since we do sin, we do fall short. We need him. And if we don't understand we need him, yes, then we have we're in trouble in terms of salvation. But it's not about being perfect. That's going to determine we are whether we are saved or not. This is about trying to walk as he does. But when we fall, picking ourselves right up, repenting and running after him. And then God is quick to forgive us because of the sacrifice and the blood that was spilled by his son, Yeshua. And then we read on and we read about what the apostles thought about this. And we read the apostles and elders came together for to consider of this matter. And when there had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said to them, Men and brethren, you know how that a good while ago God made choice among us, that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, even as he did unto us. And put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why tempt you, God, to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? Now, it's Peter says some profound things right here. He's saying, brothers, sisters, what are you talking about? Why, why are you guys confused? This is obvious. God has shown favor to these pagans, basically these unbelievers who now are becoming believers who are brand new believers because God has given the word. He's given the gospel. He's given his son for the whole world. And he's given these the Holy Spirit as well as what he's saying. So obviously he's saying they are saved already. They don't need to do something in order to get saved. And it's interesting if you understand what the Pharisees really believed. They believe that you must convert to Judaism. You must follow a certain ritualistic conversion process, which included circumcision, by the way. And once you do that, then you become Jew, a Jew, and then you can be saved only then. But see, this is not in the word of God. This is not a. Uh, 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 an old commandment of God or anything. It's not in the Torah. It's not in the prophets. It's nowhere. God never told us that that's how it works or that's how we saved. How was Abraham saved? By faith. The word said Abraham believed God and that was accounted to him as righteousness. And then how was Noah saved? He he believed God. He believed when God said it will rain. And then he prepared by obedience for the rain by building an ark. And so we see that God's plan of salvation has always been about just have faith in me, have faith in God. And when you have true faith in him, of course, we will then do what he says. We will believe we will trust and we will be obedient to his instruction. That is what salvation is. It is faith followed by works that as evidence of our faith, because there's no point in saying, I believe, I believe, but you don't do what God said. That's not true belief, right? That's not true faith. If you say that you believe in God, but you did something else, that's that's a lie. You're lying to yourself and to others. 
you don't really believe in God because if you truly believed, you would do and those works would prove you believe. But those works aren't the thing that saves you because you may stumble in one or another way. And then if you were saved by your works, that would be a problem. But since you're saved by faith, your works is evidence of your faith. But if you stumble, you ask for repent, you repent and you turn from your sin and God forgives you and you are saved by your faith. But so see, this is the yoke that Peter talks about. Peter says, why do we burn? We don't want to put a yoke on these people, these new disciples that neither us nor our fathers were able to bear. What yoke is he talking about? Is he talking about God's law? No, he's talking about what the Pharisees are trying to push here. And that was not God's law. That was a man-made law, a Pharisee conversion process, a ritual of circumcision in order to get saved. That's not God's word at all. And so that's the yoke. He's saying, don't put the yoke of this of this man-made teaching on these people. And brothers and sisters, just to prove to you that the yoke is not talking about God's law. God himself says that his law is not a yoke. He says the following that for this commandment that I command you today is not too hard for you. Neither is it far off. Deuteronomy 30 verse 11. God is literally saying that when he's giving these commandments in the Torah by Moses, through Moses, he's saying these are not too hard for you. It is not impossible for you to keep. And brothers and sisters, by the way, if your pastor has been telling you it's impossible to keep the law of God, that's a lie because the God's word says differently. God's word says it is not impossible for you to keep it. Is it impossible to be perfect? Yes. It is impossible. But does it mean because we cannot be a perfect person that we will just throw away what God has said completely and just give up completely and just, oh, well, let's just do what we want now. We, we're going to forget about it. No, we will try to walk as he walked, even if we stumble in the midst of it. We understand he died for us. And if we stumble in the midst of trying, we have him to, to as our sacrifice. But we will keep trying to walk as he did because that's what he called us to do. He said, whoever abides in me ought to walk in the same way in which I walk. And if he does not walk in that way, he is a liar and the truth is not in him. Is the truth in you? Because if it is, you need to walk as he walked. And you shouldn't be making excuses of why you don't. And you're saying that your pastor told you this or that is not going to fly at the judgment seat of God one day when we will all have to give an account for how we walked. And then in verse 11, he says this. Peter says, but we believe we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they you see, again, he is just reiterating. He's making sure that everyone understands this is how we will be saved. And then we read on about how these apostles then quite curiously gives a few instructions to these pagans who are now coming into the faith, these new believers. And he tells them the following Acts 15 verse 19. Wherefore, my sentence is that we trouble not them which from among the Gentiles are turned to God, but that we write unto them that they, number one, abstain from pollutions of idols and from number two, fornication and from number three, things strangled and from number four, blood. 
And he says, so basically saying, let's not trouble them who are turning to God. Let's not make it hard for people who are coming to God, who are coming in newly to the Father, to Jesus, to Yeshua. But we're going to give them a few simple things to do first. That's what he's saying. He's not saying these are the only things you'll ever need to do when you come and follow God. Because it, it doesn't make sense. Murder is not even on here. Does it mean we can murder? No, these aren't the only instructions or laws that are still applicable. These are the ones that, that were given to this crowd because we, they didn't want to make it hard for them, those people who they were addressing, to come to God. Now, why these few instructions? That's the question, right? Because these are the things they were struggling with. They were, like I mentioned, basically pagans coming into this new way that was happening, which is the way of following Yeshua. And they had to get rid of some of their old habits and things. And amongst them is to abstain from the pollution of idols or fornication, things strangled in blood. In other words, they had idols. They were drinking blood. They were eating things that weren't kosher. In other words, they're eating meat that wasn't um, correctly slaughtered, etc. And fornication. So these were some of the big things that they're highlighting. They're saying, guys, you want to follow God? Well, these things are necessary for you to do. Remember the context of salvation, right? We've been talking about salvation this whole time. These things in this context, he's saying these things are important. Don't worry too much about everything else right now, but these things are important. You see, there is value in identifying what is most important for someone to repent from at a certain moment in time. If someone comes off the streets and they say, oh, I want to follow God, I want to follow Yeshua, but they're an alcoholic. Are we going to tell them, oh, well, you know, you need to go to this class and let's teach you how to be humble. Or let's go to that class and we'll teach you how to do evangelism and to spread the gospel. No, we're going to tell him, okay, great. Let's look at that alcoholism. Let's get rid of the alcohol addiction, the drunkenness, because that thing will keep you from God before you ever have a chance to share God with anyone else. You see, that's the point of what they're getting at. They're saying, well, you're still drinking blood. You're still fornicating. You're still eating meat that is unclean. With, that has blood in it. We have to make sure that these things are sorted out first. These are necessary things. You can't say you're saved, yet commit fornication. You can't say you're saved, yet eat blood, eat meat with blood. That's what he's getting at. And so, brothers and sisters, this is not the only commandments. This is a beginning for these specific believers. And then what he says next is quite profound. He says, For Moses of all time hath in every city them that preach him, being read in the synagogues every Sabbath day. Acts 15 verse 21. They're saying that Moses is being preached in all the cities and the synagogues. You guys know it and it's been done for a long time. And that's the conclusion of the matter. And what he's saying is, yes, these are the things that are important right now for you guys. But Moses is being read in the synagogues every Sabbath. Where are these guys going to be going 
They're going to go to the synagogues to learn the rest of the word. Because they didn't have Bibles like we do. They had to go to a synagogue to hear the word of God. They had to hear the Torah scroll. It was opened and someone had to read it for them. That's the only way people were going to get the word of God. And so they're saying these are the basic things. Get this, get this, get this, get these necessary things done. And then the rest of it you get when you go to the synagogue every Sabbath. Because that's where you get the word of God. That's where you get the rest of the instructions to walk more like Yeshua. Because that's what Yeshua was doing. He was in the synagogues preaching too. He was... um, Amongst them, uh, even as a child, he was found there and he was studying the word and he was talking about the words of his father, the commands of his father. He was excited about it and he taught it to his disciples. He taught it to the apostles and the apostles just taught it to us. They just said, make sure you got these basic things right, which are obvious things to get right first. And whatever your basic thing is to get right when you become a believer, that's important. If it's alcoholism, if it's drug addiction, if it's you know, sexual immorality, whatever it is, if you're still sleeping with your girlfriend, whatever it is, get that stuff right first. But then you come to fellowship, to church, to whatever, and you're going to get the rest of the teaching where they're supposed to teach you the law of God. Because brothers and sisters, you know that the things that were mentioned in Acts, all of these things, you know, fornication, um, abstaining from blood, abstaining from eating things that were strangled, Uh, You know, all of it is from the Torah. It's from straight taken out of Leviticus. The, The apostles were literally teaching them to keep the law at Acts 15. They were teaching them, don't keep it for your salvation, but you keep it. And if it's really hectic things, yes, you can't say you're a believer and still do walk in sin. You must repent from these big things. Because look, we see that abstaining from idols, that's Leviticus 26 verse 1. Fornication, that's Leviticus 20 verse 10. Eating, abstaining from things strangled and blood, that's Leviticus 17 verse 12 to 13. And on that, by the way, abstaining from things that are strangled and from blood, that's a dietary law, isn't it? Right. It's 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 he's saying, do not eat things that were killed in a certain way that was strangled and that that still has blood in it, meat that still has blood in it. But that's curious because I thought Yeshua said that the dietary laws are abolished. Why would the apostles just be bringing up another dietary law right here now for them to follow if it doesn't matter what comes into a man's mouth? It comes out what comes out of the heart. That's what's important, right? So we can eat whatever we want. That's what many teach and believe. Yet it doesn't make any sense because why are the apostles now suddenly teaching a dietary law out of Leviticus to these new believers? I want to submit to you that we have misunderstood Yeshua very briefly in many areas. And one of them is in what he talked about to us about with regards to unclean meats because Yeshua never taught against his father's instructions. He could never teach that we can eat whatever we want because if he did, he would go against God's law. He would be abolishing it and he would be labeled as a false prophet because that's what a false prophet does. Deuteronomy 13 states a false prophet will lead you away from the law of God. Yeshua never did. He kept the law himself. His apostles kept it. Peter kept it. Everyone kept it. Paul kept it. And they taught it. That's why they're teaching it in Acts 15 too. So what did Yeshua really mean when he said that it's not what comes out of the mouth. It's what goes in that is that defiles a man. 
Let's read that quickly and I'll just show you. Matthew 15 verse 11 states, It's not that which goes into the mouth that defiles the man, but that which comes out of the mouth, this defiles the man. But if we read further in verse 17, we read, Do you not understand that whatever enters into the mouth goes into the stomach and is caused into the sewer? But what comes out of the mouth comes from the heart and these defile the man. For out of the heart comes forth wicked reasonings, murders, adulteries, whorings, theft, false witnessing, and slanders. These defile the man. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile the man. And if you read earlier in Matthew, in this chapter, you will see that the Pharisees actually came to Yeshua and his disciples and persecuted them for the same thing again. Because they weren't keeping the belief of the Pharisees, not God's law, nothing to do with God's. This is a belief of the Pharisees where they believe if you don't wash your hands before you eat, then then that is unclean. That makes the food unclean. That makes things unclean to you. But that's not what God's law ever says. God only said that certain animals are unfit for you to eat, such as pork and shrimp and a few others. I mean, they're not talking about unclean food in Matthew 15 because unclean food is never even mentioned. The topic of food is not mentioned once. What is mentioned is only eating with unwashed hands. And there is another account of this that has caused much confusion in our Bibles. And that is in Mark 7 verse 19, where it's the same story just um, written down in Mark 7. And there is a little line added in many Bibles that confuse people regarding this. And it is the following. Mark 7 verse 19. Since it enters not his heart, but his stomach and is expelled. Thus he declared all foods clean. In brackets. The part in brackets added in many translations. Thus Jesus declared all foods clean. Is an addition that is not in the original word of God. It has been added by translators. They thought to help us understand what is being said. But they were in error adding it because that's never what Yeshua said. He did not declare food clean because food was never the topic of the day. He declared it okay to eat if your hands aren't washed. We cannot go and take the statement of Yeshua and take it out of context and make him say something that he's not saying. And this is why the apostles deemed it okay to give a dietary instructions out of Leviticus to these Gentiles regarding not eating the blood, which is simply another form of a dietary law that goes with the unclean food laws that they, they were comfortable giving it because they were all keeping it and they never touched unclean food, just as Peter said. And so brothers and sisters, it would help us so much to start understanding what Yeshua is really trying to do. What is his mission? What is he doing? Is he trying to throw out everything his father came to give us? That, oh, that old law that, 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 that we could never do? No, God says, I'm giving this to you. It's not too hard. You can do it. You, you're not going to use it to get salvation because that was never the intent. That was never what it's about. And yes, the Lord does show us where we fall short. It shows us why we need Yeshua. But it doesn't mean that that's only what it's about. And now we can throw it away because that's done. It's done its job. No, it, it shows us we need Yeshua. Then we get grab a hold of Yeshua's garment. And now we get saved by him and he changes our heart. And he does what? He writes heart, his law, his Torah on our hearts. Jeremiah 31 verse 31. 
He writes his law on our hearts and he changes our heart so that we can keep it. So that we are not like Israel in the wilderness, dwelling here and there and being disobedient. But so that we can stop sinning. So we can start walking more like him. And how did he walk? In obedience. So if you believe anything that teaches you to not walk like him, you are believing a lie. Something that God is not of God. God will only ever tell you to walk like his son. And anyone who teaches differently is teaching from a demon. God will teach you to walk like him, to be like him, because he is perfect and holy. And anything else is unholiness and imperfection. Matthew 5 verse 17. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I say to you, until heaven and earth passes away, not an odor or a dot will pass from all the law until all is accomplished. Now, that word there, fulfill, it means pleru. It's pleru in the Greek, and it means to fill up, to give meaning, to fill to individual capacity is what it means. It doesn't mean to do so that no one else has to or do so that it can be done away with, but rather to do to give meaning. That's what Yeshua, that's what Jesus came to do. He came to do his father's instructions. He gave meaning to it. He made he made us sure we saw how he is part of it. He is connected. He is our Sabbath rest. But that doesn't mean the Sabbath is abolished. It means it is fulfilled. It means it is given meaning. So, brothers and sisters, but get what he says. He goes on and he says, whoever teaches and does these commandments, the the Torah given through Moses, the Torah and the prophets, like he said, and whoever does that and teaches will be called great in his kingdom. But whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments, that person we call least in the kingdom. You see, it doesn't matter what we think. It doesn't matter who says it. It doesn't matter if this guy who taught teaches that that is like a leader of a congregation, a leader of 20, 100 churches. But if he relaxes the commandments of God, even the least and the most pitiful one that we can think about, if there is such a thing. If in our mind, say there is a commandment that we consider least or unimportant and we teach others that is least and unimportant and that they don't even have to do it. We in our in that moment have committed this sin where we will be called least in his kingdom. This is how serious God sees it when we speak bad about his commandments or try to teach that Jesus himself did away with any of it. Jesus did not. And in Acts 15, they did not. They, in fact, taught it. They taught the starting point. But while teaching against the man made ideas that we are saved by the law, they were simply correcting the Pharisaic thoughts of what true salvation is and where it comes from. True salvation comes not from the law, but we walk out our salvation by walking as Yeshua did. And he did keep it. In other words, why? By keeping the law. And so, you know, brothers and sisters, I understand there are many who say that and they use Paul's writings in Galatians and they try and say that if we go and try and keep the law of God, that we are actually bringing the sacrifice of our Messiah Yeshua to, to no effect. And as we consider it as null and void, it's we, you know, we empty of it of its purpose. But that's not what it does. If we think that the law, keeping the law empties Yeshua's sacrifice of purpose, we are severely misunderstanding what the law is for. If we 
keep the law for salvation, yes, then we bring his sacrifice to null and void effect because the reason he died was for us to have salvation. And they use Galatians 2 verse 21 especially for this, where it says, I do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. You see, many think this is Paul saying that because righteousness is not through the law, if we try to keep the law, then Christ will die for no purpose for us. But see, what he is talking about is if we try to be justified by the law. He is not saying that if we keep the law, Christ is of no purpose. He's saying if we try and obtain justification by keeping the law. If we try and obtain salvation by keeping the law, this whole conversation, this whole video has been about salvation. Acts 15 is about salvation. Paul again is speaking about salvation. Why are they so strongly speaking against this? Because they were continuously being persecuted by the Pharisees who taught this idea that you're saved by keeping the law. That is why they're so strongly leaning against it. But they, but look at what Paul says, brothers and sisters. I want to show you the context of this verse because people love to point out one verse, but they don't go to the context of where this verse comes from. You need to read the story. If we go earlier, Galatians 2 verse 16, and we read this. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ in a servant of sin? Certainly not. So we see first off that The context is that Paul, again, is speaking against justification. People seeking to be justified by keeping the law in terms of salvation. But get what he says then. He says, but if in our endeavor to be accepting of his grace and accepting of what Yeshua, Jesus did for us, if in that endeavor of running after his grace and and, and if in that endeavor we sin, or become sinners. And then he asked the question, has Christ then become a servant of sin? No, of course, he says, certainly not. And what he means is he says, if you if for some reason this grace that I as Paul preach about, if this grace leads you to be a sinner, you're missing the point. If You think by what I teach that you can be a lawless one. You can be without law. You don't have to keep the law at all. If you think that is what I'm teaching, you're deceived. This is what Paul is getting at. Because why? He says, is Christ in a servant of sin? No. What is the definition of sin? Lawlessness. He said, we read this. In 1 John 3 verse 4, he says, everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. So, brothers and sisters, accepting the grace of God. Yes, glory to God. Accept the grace, accept the mercy, accept the sacrifice and the justification through faith that we can have in him. Glory to God. But if in your accepting of that, if that endeavors you, 
to walk in lawlessness, to say, I don't need to keep the law. And if you think that keeping the law is going to be the thing that actually nullifies the work of Christ, you're deceived because Christ died so you can be empowered to keep the law and not sin anymore. That's why he died to set us free from sin. He didn't die so we can now say, okay, now I can sin. But if we say that we don't need to keep the law because he died for us and keeping the law is actually making us get further away from God or making a sacrifice null and void, we are in effect teaching that we should be sinning because he has now died for us. And that is blasphemous. That is heresy. Christ died so we can be free from sin. That means so that we can keep the law because sin is when we don't. Sin is lawlessness. It's simple. But we have twisted it because Satan wants to take, have us under the same deception that Adam and Eve was. Did God really say, did he really mean that you need to be obedient to this instruction? I want to submit to you that yes, we do. The apostles, Yeshua and everyone else were. And we are to imitate them. We are to be a disciple of Christ. A true disciple will do as his teacher does. And our teacher, Messiah, Jesus, he kept the instructions of his father. So, brothers and sisters, here's the conclusion of the matter. You know, you may be skeptical about this video. You may be skeptical of what I've said, and that's fine. Please just go to the Father and ask him, is what PD said true? And let him convict your heart of what is true and what is not. But please keep this in mind. Just this thing. That if someone teaches you something, it doesn't matter what it is, any kind of theology. But that theology does not make you ultimately walk like Yeshua, like Jesus walked. That is a false Theology, I am only proposing that we walk as he did. 1 John 2 verse 6 says, Whoever abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. You see, so that means it doesn't matter if you're a Gentile. It doesn't matter if you're a Jew. It doesn't matter if you're from which tribe of the 12 tribes. Maybe you're not even part of anyone. But the fact is, is if you are a disciple of Christ, it doesn't matter your genealogy or your race. We're all one in him and we are all to imitate him. Now, you know what? If imitating him means doing what he did, ought we not to follow what he followed? He said, Jesus himself said, I did not come to give you a new commandment, but that which my father has given you, from the beginning. The law, the instructions of our fathers, what he has given in the beginning, he gave it even in Genesis in the garden. How can I say that? Because we see, for example, him giving the commandment of the Sabbath with creation. Adam and Eve was keeping the Sabbath before the law came, before the sin came, before anything, they were doing it. And when we get to Noah, Noah, after he gets out the ark, what is the first thing he does is he makes a sacrifice. How can he know how to make a sacrifice? The laws of laws that it was given to Moses on how to make a sacrifice hasn't even been given yet. But no one knows how. That means that the law was given earlier and Noah was heard the law orally by an ancestor. Noah is only a few generations separated from Adam and Eve. It's not even that long thereafter. And so we see there's more to it. 
If we want to be returned to the garden, to be in that intimate relationship with our master, we shouldn't make the same mistake Adam and Eve did by saying, I don't need to keep the law. I don't need to be obedient to the instructions of my father, because whether you like it or not, brother, sister, the reason that they fell into sin was because of two things, because they had firstly a lack of relationship. They weren't in perfect relationship with God anymore. And number two, because they listened to the lies of the enemy that told them that a certain rule in the garden was no longer valid or applicable, or it wasn't for their own good blessing. Everything that the father gives us is for our blessing. Every instruction is for our blessing. It's like a parent telling his child, do not run over the street because you'll get hit by a car. But then we run over streets left and right and we eat unclean food. We do all these things. We break the Sabbath day every single week. We trade in the feast days of God for our man-made traditions, rather like Christmas, and which is not in the word. And we throw out what he did, just like the Pharisees. The Pharisees were throwing out what, what God has actually given in his word for their own traditions. That's exactly what we're doing yet again. And when we do all these things, then we throw our hands in the air and we ask God, Lord, why are there so many curses that come upon us? But you're running over the road. Stop running over the road. Start listening to your father. He is only there to bless. He wants to, things to go well with you. And I want things to go well with you. And that is the desire of Yeshua, Jesus himself. He walked out this earth perfectly without sin to be a spotless lamb, able, eligible, to die for us. How was he eligible to die for us? Because he was spotless. How was he spotless? Because he listened and obeyed to what his father gave in the word of God and the law that we have so plainly today. And then he but he received the Holy Spirit and then he sent the Holy Spirit to indwell us and empower us to do the same. Brothers, church, this is deep. This is powerful. This is freedom. True freedom is when you're no longer a slave to sin but a slave to Christ. You see, Christ is not a slave to sin, like Paul said. So why are we? What is sin? Lawlessness. Why are we slaves to not wanting to keep the law, to not keeping the law? Because Christ wasn't. Christ is a slave to righteousness, right standing with God, perfect obedience to the Father. And now we have this faith in him, this perfect peace we can have that we are saved. And then this peace and this grace enables and draws us to walk like he did in freedom from sin. The sins that hold us, held us back and bondage in the past. Now we're free from that. We're now in freedom and now we can walk like him. Brother, sister, that is his desire. I hope that this teaching has blessed you and encouraged you to seek deeper the Father's word. Please subscribe to this YouTube channel if this teaching has blessed you. Like this video and hit the bell icon to never miss another video again. And I want to thank especially our patrons for making this video and every other video this month possible. May God bless you and keep you. Shalom.